Hello, it's Indali Gregory Azegbi, and you're listening to Break the Glass, a podcast where my guests and I share our experiences as ambitious women determined to make it to the top of the ladder despite the everyday challenges. Welcome back to yet another insightful conversation intended to leave you inspired and motivated. Today I'm with Eniola Hu. Eniola, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Um, can you start by telling us a little bit about who you are? So, um, first of all, thanks for having me in Delhi. Um, my name is Eniola Hu, as you already said, and um, I describe myself as a worldly woman with great taste, big dreams, and the desire to live them aloud with ease. So ease is very important for me. And I currently live in Toronto, but, you know, I'm open to wherever the prosperity is. That's really, (laughs) yeah. So an entire woman of the world. I love that big, big energy. It's giving goals (laughs) and all of the vibes. so, so what industries are you in now? What do you do? And this can be, you know, anything that you do in your official capacity or your side hustles or just anything you want, want people to know about. Okay. Well, um, so right now, the face I have online is a style and fashion content creator. Um, but I am like, I went to school for fashion and textile design. So that's something that's like not like natural to me. And it's that's what I actually did for years before I just quit in 2020. And um, yeah, naturally, I'm going to have my own like fashion line and where people can just buy my stuff. But my other interests are in decolonization education. I love the, um, I've been involved in like certain, like, I, like I'll say academies, like we're uh, rooted in African history where We've had to um, teach African history to African people. And um, I also specifically in the areas of spirituality and um, media. So that's like decolonization education is like a big thing for me. And the other thing that I am very uh, interested in, and I already already work on actually is like uh, natural hair. So um, I was doing a series on Instagram called Enyolahu Hair Series. And the last thing I did was like a, two-minute documentary about African hair plating. So that's another like big interest of mine that I would like to, in the future, expand on. And um, yeah, that's mostly what I want to do. I think that bottom line, the way that I see myself is I just want to remember all the beauty that my ancestors have created and just bring them back to life. That's, that's kind of what I live by. So, so that series on Instagram, is that just more of a visual history? Or, you know, are you going into like academia, finding resources and, you know, creating actual like depictions or explaining like what the meaning of some of these hairstyles are? I love that question. Let me tell you, from Smithsonian, I like for me, it's very well researched. I mean, I do have my opinions in it, too, because I'm an artist and I'm going to interpret certain things a certain way. But I have people that advise me on it, like people that are like Yoruba experts um, or like African history experts or hair um, books. But I do use a lot of visual aid because I'm still a very visual person and I want people to be able to even just look at it and get a sense of what I'm where I'm going with it. But yes, I it's not just me like talking about hair from like right. from like my own perspective. I it's very well researched. 
charged, but it's also fun, right? You don't feel like you're in class. You mentioned Yoruba. Um, for people that are listening that might not know what that is, can you tell us a bit about that and how that factors into your identity? Okay, so um, my mom is actually Yoruba. My dad is from Badagri, but um, I grew up more Yoruba than Badagri. But um, Yoruba is an ethnic group in Nigeria. However, there's also a spirituality, like spiritual philosophy, which people call Yoruba as well, but really it's called Ifa. And that's the spirituality that I've been learning about for a while um, in terms of decolonization. So I said my interest went spirituality. Um, and then I feel like being Yoruba, even though I'm very much inspired by um, Igbo spirituality as well, and um, I lived in Northern Nigeria, so I have a lot of exposure to that culture as well. Fulani history. I'm, I have some Fulani in me as well, but Yoruba is kind of like the core of my identity. So a lot of time when I'm doing research, when I don't want it to be so general and I need to focus, I kind of go into Yoruba culture. And it's so interesting because even when I focus, if I used to think it was too restrictive, but even when I focus on Yoruba culture, I get a lot of resonance from other cultures saying, oh, it's the same in mine, or we have something very similar. So it's just giving me like a point of view but really like it touches everyone when I focus on that. That's so interesting. And it's honestly, it's something that I feel like even just growing up in the kind of societies that we do, they're heavily almost guardrailed by religion, whichever religion it happens to be prominent in that society. Um, but we, I'm also um, Nigerian. We often forget that there were other religions pre, whether it's Christianity or pre-monotheistic religions, you know, and it's, it's so interesting to, meet with or speak to somebody that's taken up upon themselves especially as we don't really have a culture of keeping records to go out there and find that information so interested yeah. to like look further into that and i hope you start a you know an offshoot page where you really just focus just on that um and become a resource for other young nigerians or people that you know are ethnically yoruba um to find out more information so it seems that you've got your finger in quite a few pies, um, but what have been some of the barriers to entry? Because I mean, other than being a jack of all trades and clearly a master of every single one of them as you are, you know, what's been the hardest part about, you know, being a content creator, I think is your, your main focus at the moment, but also as a, you know, as a historian, and I forget the fantastic way and the term that you put it in um, earlier in the conversation, but what are those, what are the main challenges that you face? Um, okay, so as far as um, content creating with like style and fashion, the internet, social media, everything is so vast and so fast that um, for me, figuring out what platforms are best for what I do is it Instagram, is it Pinterest, is it TikTok? Like everyone is pushing everything and you kind of have to figure out which one's best for you and best practices for each because everything operates differently. Like there's standards for every platform and it's just for one person to do all of that. Like it's such a, it can be overwhelming sometimes I have to be honest, but um, yeah. And even like for some, like for TikTok, you can't put long captions. Yeah. And the standards change all the time. Like now they're saying, oh, longer videos with like your own sound. They want you to be a creator, not just hopping on trends. But at some point it was like, use the trending sound. So there's always something to learn. And for me, that like constant movement is like one of the things I feel, especially when you're new to this, which I sort of am. It's like, 
uh, okay, where do I go? It's, it's like so many, it's like being at a, 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 you know, at an intersection and it's so many cars and you're just like, I just hope I don't get hit. That's right. how I feel sometimes. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the research and all of that, um, my biggest barrier is not being able to go to Nigeria the way I want, especially because that's where my research is focused on. And while they're really amazing historians, like, um, one person has been of extreme like help to me. Um, she has a YouTube channel called Yoruba Lessons with Adiron Kesh. She's extremely, she's a Yoruba historian and she's just so smart and so helpful. Um, but like, I can't ask her everything. Like I can't be like, oh, do my entire assignment for me. So it's also hard to find some things online if I'm being honest. I think our culture, especially spirituality, we're very um, uh, quiet about it and sort of mysterious too. We don't like to share those things. So, um, the last time I went to Nigeria and I did this episode called Free to Believe, it was really hard to find even like legit people. And some of the people, some of the episodes I did, I actually couldn't even air them because, um, you know, one of the Ifa Orisha priestesses who I ended up becoming friends with, I was sort of, she kind of pointed out like these people that you interviewed are actually not part of our community. Wow. So I couldn't put, couldn't put stuff like that out because again, you'd be putting out false information. And these communities are so small that you have to be careful not to misrepresent them. 100%. So for me, I'm very like cautious of that and respectful of that, that if I say something, then it's true. Or it's like, it has some, at least I can say, I didn't say this is the source it came from. Right. Like, I argue. <laughs> Go and argue with that person. Would you say that it's also like, it's still a taboo? I mean, you, you mentioned that you went to Nigeria recently to do some research. When you kind of were looking for help, were people sort of just like side-eyeing you? Like, um, don't bring that over here. I, like you sound like you were there because there was a specific day I was interviewing somebody for Oshun um, spirituality. She wasn't even initiated. She was just considering it because she felt like she had been getting calls to it. Um, and my my um, partner was in, was working with some men from like the state government from a different state. And he, they were like, oh, what's your wife doing over there? Because they see me with mics and mm -hmm. stuff. They're like, what's over there? He's like, oh, she's just interviewing someone who is considering Oshun spirituality, or like um, Ifa, and this person is considering um, Orisha spirituality or Ifa, and the way that the mood changed, yeah, he was just like, oh shit, did I say something wrong? And they were like, one of, so one of the guys had stood up, and the guy said, was with him said, if that guy comes here and you mention that this meeting is over, he's like, don't ever say that here. And it was so ironic because they were from Oshun State. Yeah, it was so ironic because yeah, well, I was just like, wait, I don't understand. This is really like, and they work for the state government, so I would have expected them to be um, proud of whatever they. Because we hold so, our religious leaders in quite high esteem, so I'm kind of interested and also confused as to how that how people kind of rationalize that behavior when you still yeah. very much believe in the kings and the. You know, yeah, the yeah, exactly. Which is so you're and you're right about that. They have this like. Oh, this is, you know, but I think it's because we've learned to separate those things. Right. As opposed to like view it as part of the whole system. And I think we have to separate them because now we believe more, the majority of Nigerians believe in uh, monotheistic, well, even if I is monotheistic actually, but we, um, a lot of them believe in religions that exclude other gods. Right. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, if I, and this is probably why people think it's polytheistic, it doesn't control what you, who you serve it just if i is more about it's more of a philosophy and then if you um you can honor something else 
you know, as long as you admit that there's one God, whatever you're honoring, it's, it believes that everything is tied together and it's still part of the system where we can coexist. And I think that these other religions don't believe in coexistence. It's either or, right? So I, I think that's why um, Nigerians now struggle with accepting it because they don't realize that these things can actually coexist. Yeah. Thank you for going into that. Honestly, you're just such a wealth of knowledge. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely making notes to go and do my own research after this and just really take a closer look. So what is the typical day in the life for a content creator? Okay, so um, for me, I'm just going to like give you a snippet into a filming day because that's usually my most like physically tasking day. Um, for a filming day, I would usually wake up around 10 a.m and go through my list so i have to make a list the night before my list literally has like potential sounds looks transitions like it has to be that detailed every single look my accessories laid out things like that and then um so the next day i just sort of look at the notes again to make sure i wasn't writing sleepily or something or just make sure everything's fine then i film for like five hours um, so from like noon to like five and then and then by the way i'm filming for like days in advance. It's not just one reel I'm filming for five hours, like several. And then around like five, when the sun is going down, then I take a break and then I eat my first meal. And then, um, I mean, in between I could snack. You know how sometimes you're so focused. Um, that usually happens when I'm like in the middle of something, I would forget to eat or like not even want to engage with the thought of what should I, no, I just focus. And when I'm done, I eat. Um, then I go through my videos, make sure that, you know, everything is fine or like compare with my notes, make sure everything was, I did everything the way that I intended to or even better. And then after that, I um, take a break around 7.30. I might take a nap from like 7.30 to 8.30, um, hang out with my partner. Then we might eat like a proper meal or just like, if I've already eaten, then I'll just snack again. And um, yeah, by like 11, I start editing all over again. So I start to edit the stuff I've already worked on. I know the struggle. Yeah, and then I'll edit from like 11 to like 2 a.m. And then I wind down, I write my list again for the next day, and then I just wind down till from like 2.30, and I go to bed between 2.30 and 3. So that's like a typical day for me. You know, that's it's, it's interesting, like hearing the process behind content creation, because I know like even in 2022, this day and age, people still think it's a walk in the park that you just kind of point at the camera and you know, it's like, oh, there's a reel. And it, it's so much work. Like, honestly, hands, I can't, I absolutely cannot. So much work. And it's also like, I didn't even get into captions and like, sometimes you've picked the sound that you want and you know, you go on Instagram just to like look again and the sound has stopped trending. So you have to change your sound. Sometimes the algorithm will change before you wake up. And sometimes you even, and then, oh, you have to create your draft. Let me tell you, Instagram is the glitchiest app ever in the sense that that the reels drafts, you can write the most beautiful captions, put text in there, put gifs, whatever, um, just have it ready to just hit send the next day. And the next day you can't click on the video. Like you can't even click on it. So even to like copy your caption. So anyway, that one I learned the hard way. I would cry. I would honestly cry. So you have everything you, oh yeah. I mean, I've been led to tears many times. The second first time it happened to me, um, like I cried. It took me three hours to get everything back and just, and I was, you know, they tried to encourage people to edit within the app at some point. And I was like, that's a setup. I know what the setup looks like when I see one. So, you know, 
Um, I stopped falling for that a long time ago, but you know, even after you do your captions, you, you save your drafts for the next day or for like the next three days, you have to save everything somewhere else in case there are glitches so that you can just copy and paste and you're not doing it over again. Then you also have to research trending hashtags, relevant hashtags. Um, what are the rules? Recently, they said only three to five hashtags. So there's actually an account on Instagram called Creator, which is run by Instagram. Yeah. And if you go there, you see all these videos and and um, like uh, tutorials and uh, trending stuff. Or sometimes if you follow like uh, um, influencer posting platforms like Later or yeah, all those like, um, what do you call the? There's a very popular UNUM, I think, UNU, UNU, yeah, I think that's how they say it. If you follow like those um, accounts, they'll tell you what's in. And also, sometimes Instagram does these, um, what do you, like, I call them press releases, but they're really, yeah. And then they put them up, and then you have to like get a summary somewhere or watch the whole thing. I never watch the whole thing because I just get summaries from creator accounts. So, yeah, but that's, and that's what I'm telling you, these things are changing all the time. Like, now they're prioritizing your own sound versus like trending sounds. And at some point, trending sounds were everything. And I personally, before they even said anything I noticed, I do better with my own sound than with Yeah, and that's another thing, trial and error. You can't, you can't put every, like you, not every rule makes sense. So you just have to, it's like show and prove, right? Then this is just a perfect segue into like our final question um, of the day, which is what's your rocket hack? And so rocket hacks are like my little productivity tips, you know, that I swear by. They just like make me set me up for success, basically, when, you know, it's so easy to just run out of steam during the day. So what would your rocket hack be? Okay, so for one, I would say like you have to be prepared. Like I do not take note, like note taking is my life. I mean, like I have an iPad pro, I still have journals and then I have, I have two types of content planners. So I have one where I can just write anywhere and do anything. And I have one that has to be organized and color coded. Wow. Color coded. That's intense. <laughs> yes. And then, um, you, yeah. So I would say that's one of my favorite hacks. And then secondly, I just, just the kind of person I am, as much as I plan, I still like to go with the flow because some of the best things I've done, I didn't plan them. So I love to improvise and I'm not afraid to like pivot or do something that I didn't plan to do. Um, yeah. And then just as a general life thing that I've been trying to like tell myself and just live by is that everything will work out for my highest good. So that's like the overarching like thing that I tell myself in my, in life. Yeah. I love that so much. Anila, thank you so much for coming on and making time to speak with me. I appreciate you. And thank you for just sharing all your useful, wonderful tips and just like insightful comments. And it's just been such a great episode. Same here. I really appreciate this in Delhi. This was great. And you're such a great sport, like so smart, so articulate, so funny. Like we've been having the best time.